0: Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. You ever been to a ball game and they have like those, those cups that come down? And usually they're caps and they're over a baseball and it's like the fifth inning, and they're like, keep up with the ball, and somebody's gonna win a prize. You know what I'm saying? And and I stand there thinking, like, like I just wanna I'll let Cole Haney, one of my good buddies. Cole, I I want to play this game with you. Is that cool? So I have, I have a Starbucks gift card, because I know you like Starbucks, and I'm going to put it underneath this cup. And, and immediately what they start doing is they start kind of saying, watch the cup with the prize, right? And they sit here, and they, they go around here, and they, they go around here, and I, I'm not real good at this. And then they kind of come back here, and, and then they do a little shuffle over here. And then they ask the question, one, two, or three. Call which one is it? Yeah, well, one, Two, one. All right, you want to talk to your other guys, graduates? Are y'all, y'all on board with one? Are you sure? And, boom, they win. They win, and we're like, oh, my gosh, I knew where it was. Here, here you go, my man. Well, it, it's graduation Sunday, and we want to love all of you guys. Haley, come give all of them a gift card. Here, just give them all a gift card for being here for Sunday. Just give it up for them. But... But what it makes me realize is is the whole point of this is, is they've got you focused, right? Like, I think that's where a lot of you are sitting. I think all of us are sitting here, right? We're trying to get through life, and we're trying to figure out where's the cup with the American dream. Like, somebody told me there's this dream, and I want it. It's a white Ticket fence around a house with two point three kids and a dog somewhere out in the country, or maybe in the city. Maybe it's a condo at the beach. Maybe it's your kids grow up and get out a little bit quicker. (laughs) But there's a dream, right? And I think that if if we were to look, and what I want to do today is take just a moment, I want to help you understand using our series wise up talking about king solomon the wisest man that ever lived i want all of us to look and figure out how can we truly understand wisdom and make sure at the end of this life we go okay wow i got what i want it i know where it's at is that cool so if you have your bibles we're going to start in proverbs Proverbs chapter four here in just a minute, but I have one simple question before we start reading God's word. You know, one of the things that we know about Solomon and him being the wisest man that ever lived is that he had this moment that he encountered the Lord and he asked for wisdom, and we're going to actually get to that in a minute, but I don't know about you guys, but I'm one of those guys that says, why? Like, why did he ask that? Like with everything that was going on in Solomon's life, and when he has this dream, and he's at this particular place, and God says, hey, I'll give you whatever you want, and he says, I want wisdom. Like, I don't know about you, but if I'm sitting on the brink, and I've just graduated, and I'm trying to figure out what I want in life, the first thing that comes to my mind is not, "Mm, buddy, let me get a little bit of wisdom. I'm thinking more like, "Mm, buddy, let me get some money. Let me get some good relationships. Let me get a significant other, let me get a house, let me get a job, let me get some scholarships. There's a lot of things I'm thinking. One of the things that's not in my mind is wisdom, but I want you to understand where it came from. It's in Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 3, and I want you to listen to these words very carefully. This is Solomon speaking. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me And said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. And then listen to verse five through nine Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. See, the reason why Solomon ends up in this moment that we're going to talk about here in just a minute and asks for wisdom is because he's only doing naturally what he's been taught as a child. And I want you to understand as you're graduating, as we're in this room, no matter where we're at, whether we have children, whether we are a child, whether we're in high school, middle school, some of our students, wherever we're at in this life, married, single, divorced, wherever, I think there is something bigger that we're missing out on that we keep going, ah, nothing. And you're watching. And it's like this shell game. And you're like, oh, oh no, I've lost track. Oh, I, 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 what? Nothing. And you sit there and go, I don't understand why my life keeps feeling like I'm getting nothing. And you're searching for something. And I want you to understand that that one of the things that Solomon's talking about here is really cool. If we go back to the actual motto, the motto of Proverbs, which is chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. And so what he's doing is, is listen to this, this is for all of us, right? All of us are playing a role in somebody's life that's teaching them what to seek out. And I want you guys to understand that in the process of trying to figure out what you're wanting to do, don't get so self-consumed that you don't realize that you're actually going to be blazing away for other people. Like the things that you're chasing, that you're thinking is going to be so fulfilling, I promise if you're the only person that gets the fulfillment, it will not be fulfilling enough. And I think that's for every one of us. I think the reason why as a church when we talk about we want people to know God and to find freedom, and then we get to these three and four stages and discover their purpose and go make a difference. At the end of the day, if the difference you're making only affects your life, you're not really making a difference. That's called you changing. When we change, it affects us. When we make a difference, it affects others. So let's go to this this story. I I think there's some things that, that I think we can learn that kind of keys to life that's actually in 2 Chronicles chapter 1. 2 Chronicles chapter 1, starting in verse 7. And this actually shows up. Some of you may have studied the Old Testament before. You may be reading, and and let me give you a little bit of insight. Just like you have the synoptic Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And and the way I explain that, I'm kind of a sports guy. You know, the synoptic Gospels is the same play. It's just a different angle. You know, uh, now that we have, you know, replay in baseball, I've been watching a lot of college baseball lately, and all of a sudden it's a close play at first, and they're like, "Ah, I want to challenge that, and they they start looking at it from all these different angles. The play has not changed. They're trying to get better insight because of the angle to see if if the ball got there before I was watching Tennessee play Arkansas, the number one team in the nation, in which our man hit a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth, and Tennessee beat Arkansas Amen. Rocky Top. I got to be a baseball fan now because evidently we're never going to play football up there anymore. And so now I'm like, woohoo, college baseball, you know. But it's one of those things that that when I was watching, it makes me think about the gospels, right? Well, the Old Testament doesn't have a synoptic concept, but if you were to ever read First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, you're going to see that those stories intertwine. They're talking about this. They're talking about King David. They're talking about Solomon. They're talking about the building of the temple. And so you're going to see these things intertwine. In fact, the story we're getting ready to read in 2 Chronicles, you can also go over to 1 Kings. And you can read about this same exact story. It's a same story, God's Word, inspired by him, but it gives you more perspective. Well, listen to what happens in, in this story. It, it's, and when I say story, it was an event in time. This isn't like fairy tale land. These are real events that actually took place. But listen to what happened in this biblical account. 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7. In that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him. Now, just pause for a minute. Right now, Solomon's an everyday, ordinary guy who's been made king. The only thing that he knows is what his father has taught him. He's watched King David. Just like I talk about these guys and how your life's going to affect other people, your life is affecting other people. There are people that are watching you. So right now, Solomon is sitting on the brink of what's going to be the most altering, game-changing moment of his life. And the thing that he's going to rely on to push him forward to answer this bodacious question is what he was brought up bringing, being spoke to, being spoke over, and anointed to, to want to pursue. And here was the question. And God said to him, ask what I shall give you. Now, again, i got to hit a pause button. If right now I said, I'll give you anything, what do you want? What do you think about? You know, when Scripture talks about God will give you the desires of your heart, and sometimes people want to play that and kind of put you in a situation. I, I am not a fan of this health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, I think it's lies out of the pit of hell, because not everything's butterflies and rainbows. Now, don't mishear me. I do believe that God will give you the desires of your heart. I do believe that God wants to richly bless you. I do believe that there's a long, consistent role with obedience, and with that obedience comes God's blessings. I do believe the more generous you'll learn to be and live your life, the more generous God is to you and will bless you. But I don't believe that because I'm doing what God's called me to do, that I'm going to show up, and I'm going to have a brand new Cadillac, and I'm going to have a jet, and I'm going to try all over the place and I'm going to go into the poorest parts of Africa and present the gospel to them and have all these people respond and me tell them and all your needs are going to be met now for me to get back on a plane and these people will still be starving still be struggling but what happens is they get hope like the richest is in the hope it's the eternal reward correct so my question is again if I could tell you you could have whatever you wanted what would you ask for and listen to what Solomon says First, he reiterates what I talked about a minute ago as far as his dad. He said, And Solomon said to God, You have shown great and steadfast love to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. O Lord God, let your word to David, my father, be now fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. And then here's what he says. Give me now wisdom and knowledge. To go out and come in before this people, for who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? God answered Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you, and have not asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king, wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. In that moment, just hit a pause button, in that moment... Solomon went from an everyday, ordinary guy, king of God's people, to becoming the wisest man that would ever live, the richest king that would ever live, the most prosperous person that would ever live, all because when asked what he truly wanted, he had an answer that was equivalent to God's heart, not just his heart. He had an answer that was bigger than his own selfish motives. Listen to how God responds. This is key, guys. Listen to me. God says, I will give you, riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the kings who have been before you and none after you shall be the like. See, here's the key. Listen to me. I think what you're searching, saying, oh, oh, focus, focus. Oh, I'm watching, I'm watching. I think what's underneath there is bigger than a thing. It's bigger than something you can grab. It's bigger than something you can hold on to. It's bigger than a career. It's bigger than a job. It's bigger than a fulfillment that you're going to get from a paycheck. It's bigger than a wife or a husband, and it's bigger than children. I think there's something that's underneath there that when you seek the right thing, not only does God give it to you, but he also says, and because you were willing to seek this, I'll also add all the other things to it. And it's the key of this whole series. It's wisdom. Solomon, by far, other than Jesus Christ, who was fully man and fully God, but by far, the people that have walked this earth that were only human, Jesus was fully man, but also fully God. The people that have walked this earth that were only human, none has been greater than King Solomon. And where did it start? Here's what I wrote in my notes. Here's a hint. Live your life. Do something that you're not the greatest benefactor. You let me tell you where to start. Live your life. Do something where you're not the greatest benefactor. Don't live life just. For yourself. I think that is a key for all of us. I think if we were to truly think about the times where we get sideways, the times where all hell breaks loose, the things where relationships seem to be struggling, where things don't seem to match up, where things start to really, it's in a moment where we sit there and we unintentionally got so consumed that we thought we were the greatest person on the planet and everything revolved around us and God is saying don't live life simply for yourself. You see Mickey, we'll, we'll prove it. God took the form of a man, right? Jesus Christ. And who did he live for? Did he live for himself? Did he walk around saying, "Hey, here I am. I, I'm the Messiah." Come on. No. He took the form of a baby born in a manger, and we always make these mangers to be so cute around Christmas time, and oh, here's the little donkey, and here's the little sheep, and he would have been in a cave. You know what doesn't happen in a cave? Rain. You know what they didn't have back then? Running water. You know what that means? Take a cave, put in livestock, let them be there for a long period of time with nothing to wash it out. What do you think it would be like? You say, wow, and I thought my house had to be spruced up before the baby showed up. He took the form of a servant, and he did all this. Why? Even in the garden when he's sweating drops of blood, and he's sitting here going, but not my will, but thine. The whole time, you know what he was consumed with? You In me. You know what he's trying to get you to understand? The same thing David was trying to get King Solomon to understand. When God says he'll give you the desires of your heart, what are you going to ask for? Don't ask for something where you're the greatest benefactor. But there's another little piece that if you're not careful, you'll miss in this story. I think it's a key to life. It's in chapter 1 verse 13, it said, so Solomon came from the high place of Gibeon from before the tent of meeting to Jerusalem, and he reigned over Israel. If you have a paper Bible, underline Gibeon. And you're thinking, what? What does Gibeon, like what does this have to do with anything? Well, can I tell you the story of Gibeon? See, one of the things that you're going to need to do is you're going to need to have a place where you can encounter the Lord on a regular basis. If you want to get wisdom, wisdom can be gained from two different ways. Wisdom can be gained by the giver of all knowledge and wisdom, which is through God, which he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or wisdom and knowledge can be gained from experience. I will encourage you. Being in a relationship with the Lord is a whole lot better than gaining it through experience, a.k.a. I can tell you many, many stories. If you saw me yesterday, I found the experience. I looked like E.T., I took the bandage off so it wouldn't be so big of a deal, but I basically about lost the tip of my finger yesterday. Why? Because when you're washing food processors, you don't need to grab it by the blade. I'm just saying. I know that seems like a very obvious thing, but it happens, right? But it's one of those things that, that there's ways to learn. You can learn by putting skin in the game and by pain and by struggles, or you can learn by somebody else's pains and struggles, which I think King Solomon did with David, or you can also learn through his word. But listen to what happened to Gibeon. It's actually a story. It's in Joshua chapter 10. You don't have to go there, but I can give you the references. Joshua chapter 10, it goes from verse 10 to about verse 13. But Gibeon's where this major war is going on. If you remember Joshua, the beginning of the book of Joshua, God says everywhere your heel hits, you will conquer that land. And that seems like, woohoo, great, this is awesome. I want that. I want all those things. God, boom, here I go stepping. What he didn't realize is that in the process, he's going to be fighting literally about 38 different kings. Well, in one of those parts, Gibeon, God fights for him. They are going to fight the Amorites. And this is the story where God literally rained down hell storms, fiery hell storms, balls of fire. And it says in scripture, I believe it's around verse 11, that the hellstorms killed more people, excuse me, the hellstones killed more people than the actual Jewish people killed people. But that wasn't the greatest part of that day. This is the day that when Joshua realized he had the upper hand, you know what he did? He stood up in front of all of Israel, and he said, God, don't let the sun go down, don't let the moon move until we totally destroy all of it. And let me tell you, let me tell you what the scripture says. This is good. It is also written in the book of Jessar, the sun stopped in the middle of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. Verse 14 in Joshua chapter 10. There has been no day like it before or since, when the Lord needed the voice of man, when the Lord heeded the voice of man, for the Lord fought for Israel. See, Gibeon was a place where they encountered God in such a real way that the reason why he's going back there, the reason why Solomon's going back there is because he knows, I've seen God move once here, i can ready to watch him move again. If you've ever been a part of my life, you'll know that probably for about the last five years, I've wore a crimson tide bracelet on my wrist. There's a better chance that I will be buried in a coffin with a crimson tide bracelet on my wrist than not. And on it, it just simply says, hashtag Pray for Brynn, and it has the website, merolltide.org. For those that don't know, it's the story story that Amy and I went on a journey where we saw God move miraculously, where our youngest daughter fell off a chair about five years ago and had a major injury and wasn't supposed to live. But not only did God restore her and her health and in a miraculous way, but though she was born with deafness and hearing aids and everything else, we left Choa Hospital in Atlanta, and she no longer has hearing aids, and she now hears. See, it was a moment that I saw God move so miraculously that I don't want to ever forget, not that I want to live in that moment, Like I want God to do something bigger, right? But I know there's a place that I can go where God, I have encountered him, I have seen him, I have experienced him, and I want to go back to that place as frequently as possible because I know that he's there. That's what Gibeon was. Gibeon was that place. The reason why that that tent type tabernacle was set up is because they knew That at that point, that's where God literally stopped the sun and the moon. This was Jewish custom. Did you know the original temple that Solomon would build was on a hill? You say, well, what's the big deal about that hill? It's the same exact place where Isaac was offered as a sacrifice, where all of a sudden there's a ram in the thistles. See, listen to me. You've got to get in the habit of not only seeing where God is, But when you find him there, you need to get in the habit of going back to that place on a regular basis. Do you know that's my greatest prayer for Crossroads? I pray that every Sunday morning that when you show up, God speaks to you in such a way that next Sunday it's not like, Well, I'm kind of tired. Well, I stayed out late. Well, I was going to go on the boat. Well, that you say, No, I've encountered God there. God has spoke to me there. He's delivered addictions there. He's delivered the miraculous there. He's done amazing things there. I'm not going to miss it because I know he's there. And I think that's where you got to get. But that's not the biggest thing I want to speak over you today. The last thing that I want to speak over you and then I'm done is actually where all this started. I'm going to try my best to read this to you guys. And I'll probably struggle. But I I want you to listen to what David spoke to Solomon as he was getting closer to death. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 2 starting midway through verse 2, and he says this. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. That's my prayer for you guys. But I don't think you got it quite yet. Can I I kind of drive this home? See, it goes back to this shell game, right? Immediately, everybody wants to get you focused, right? Like everybody says, okay, listen, Cole, here we go, buddy. Focus with me. Watch as we go. Stay connected. Make sure, I'm telling you, you can have this. But what God says is, you could have had all these $100 bills. You say, oh, well, I didn't know that was an option. Right now, Cole, you're, everybody hates you. All of them are going, dude. Do you know how many $100 bills that is? All I got was a stinking $10 gift card to Starbucks. But what? I set you up, right, Cole? I set you up. I told you, hey, man, look, it's called a force. Whenever you see these illusions and people are doing these tricks, there's what's called the force. In other words, they already know what you're going to do before you do it. And once they get in front of you, you can't catch up. So I forced you to be like, hey, man, look, watch. This, and you're going, oh, that's what I want. That's what I want. That's it. That's what I'm going to go get. And at the end, they're like here, and you're like, woohoo! this is great, until you realize what you could have had. Turn around and look at all these people behind you. Go ahead. Turn around and look at them. You know what most of them represent? Somebody that wished they could have go back and go, wow, I didn't know that was an option. They sit in your shoes. And somebody showed them the prize, and they didn't know there was more. See, that's what wisdom is. So you got to get in touch with the God that's over the game. You got to get in touch with the person that knows more than you know on what's going on. See, I knew that beforehand I had stacked the deck, I had more. Now, because of our budget, I was praying that Cole followed the cup. (laughs) Dear Lord, please help him pick number. When he said, like, one, two, three, I'm like, no, no, one, (laughs) then two, three. You know, I mean, like, it's a force, right? Don't let anybody force you. Go get it all. When Solomon sat there and prayed for something as simple as wisdom, he had no idea that he would be the wealthiest man that ever lived. But you know what he realized? He wasn't going to live life for himself. When, when he asked for wisdom, he had no idea how far-reaching the kingdom would be. When he asked for wisdom, the only thing he knew was that he was going to be doing something that was bigger than him, and he did not have the ability to do that. So he said, God, nobody can do this without your help. Will you give me the ability to have wisdom and knowledge. In fact, if you were to go to the first king account, the first thing that Solomon does after this dream where he gains this wisdom is he has these two prostitutes that walk in. It's an amazing. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible because these two come in and they are disputing over a child. One of them has actually lost their child. The other one, child was still leaving. Babies, Infants. But there's this dispute, so they bring it to King Solomon, because they don't know what to do, and they're both disputing, like, this is my child, please give me my child. And King Solomon looks in front of everybody and says, I'll tell you what, because we cannot decide whose child this is, let's cut the baby in half, give half of it to one, half of it to the other. In which everybody else looked and went, well, what? But one of the mothers said, no, please don't. Let her... Have the baby. And in that moment, King Solomon says, give the baby to her. Because that one's the mother. See, wisdom's not always conventional. Knowledge does not always make sense to everybody else. There's going to be times that you're going to do something and people are going to say, this does not make any sense. This is not how you move forward in life. You know why? Because they're trying to get the $10 gift card. But you know that there's thousands of more blessings out there. And I want you to pursue him with everything you got. You say, Mickey, well, this is great. I mean, I wish somebody would have told me that. It's not too late. You know, the whole time during this game, all this stuff was sitting here and waiting. But as long as we're totally consumed with a $10 gift card, you know what you're going to get? A $10 gift card. You know what wisdom means? Wisdom means you finally get to a point where you say, you know what? Rather than keeping to get the same thing I've always gotten, I'm going to do something different. So we're going to pray. The band's going to come up, and we're going to do something a little bit different. You say, oh, here we go. Bow your head, close your eyes. Nope. We're actually going to do something totally different. We're going to end on a big note. Why? Because today's a celebration. But as you leave, I want you to know something. If there's anything that we can do to help you to get your mind off of what the world's telling you you want, to get you to the blessings that God has for you, I call it the more than life. Like the world says, Woohoo, isn't this great? And you're like, wow, yeah, I'm content with that. And God's up here going, you don't have to be content. I got tons of stuff. It's still coming out. Then you're going to have to do something. And it starts by getting in his word and understanding where wisdom lies. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.